Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 238 of the Quickie Podcast. I am your host, Dave Hopkins. Thanks so much for spending some time here. Got another one. Another one. Today on the show, my guest is Dylan Minky. He's a logo and brand designer out of Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines. I like saying that. Des Moines. Sounds nice, right? Say it. Say it to yourself. Des Moines. Nice, right? It's got a nice ring to it. During this episode, we talk about how Dylan initially started down that engineering path, not the design path, and how a presentation by some young guy named Aaron Draplin, I, I, I think, that, I don't know, I guess, I guess that's his name. Just kidding, we all know Aaron Draplin. Uh, how a presentation from Aaron Draplin actually lit the design fire for him. He also shares with us a design history project that really opened up his eyes to to design what came before. He then shares with us the feedback that he had received while looking for a job and the questions that it caused him to ask himself, the deep thinking questions. We then talk a little bit about Blue Ribbon Beer. We talk a little bit about the logo design project that led to 40 options. That's four zero, 40 options, and so much more. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just sit back and relax and get right to it here. My guest today, Mr. Dylan Menke. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Dylan, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you, sir? Pretty good. How are you? Doing swell. Thanks for asking. Uh, before we get too deep in here, Dylan, are you even ready for a quickie? Never been more ready. <laughs> Never been more ready. All right. Well, in that case, let's kick it over to you and briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm Dylan Minky. Um, I'm 25 years old. I should say 25 years old or 25 years young. Um, I'm a graphic designer from originally from Mount Hamill, Iowa. Uh, it's just a really small town in the southeast corner of Iowa. Um, grew up in the country. Um, I'm currently living in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I work at 818, which is a little studio here in downtown Des Moines. Um, and with that, we have a primary focus on the beer industry and the hospitality industry. So we do like a lot of beer labels and stuff for breweries in the state of Iowa. And we have a few that are out of the state of Iowa. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then on the side, I do my own uh, freelance job um just nice. kind of take uh small logo projects to medium-sized logo projects so awesome um, so sir go ahead all right uh, i thought i'd start in there i also uh graduated from the university of iowa so go hawks just want to say that <laughs> nice gotta get that in there <laughs> oh yes so what made you want to dive into logo design and be and you know specialize in logo design um i think for me it was 
kind of what I ex- was experiencing through uh, my college classes. Um, so I guess kind of a little background. I graduated from the University of Iowa with a BFA in graphic design. But when I first enrolled at Iowa, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like an open major. I took engineering classes and I took a few design classes because I know those are kind of two things that kind of interested me. Um, so I did that for the first year. And after doing some math classes and stuff like that, I was not feeling the whole engineering uh, career path. So, um, And then also in there, I was taking design classes. And one of my first design classes, um, I was introduced to uh, Aaron Draplin. Um, he was actually coming to our school to present. Nice. I actually went to that presentation and kind of weird, but kind of after going to that presentation and learning who he was and all about him, it's kind of what kind of persuaded me into taking design. So awesome. So what part of it do you think really, really appealed to your, your creative side and made you want to explore that further than, you know, engineering where it's more academic? Yeah, I think right through like his presentation, still draplins, it was just like the process behind logo making, which was really cool. I mean, going from like the research and then obviously like to the sketching phase, it was just like really cool seeing that play out and how it translates into like the digital world. So that was really cool. Yeah, for sure. Always just kind of stuck with me. Yeah. And I love going from a spot where, you know, you see the early, early beginnings of something yeah. that then goes through a process. And then all of a sudden it's on cans everywhere and it's on signage and it's all mm-hmm. over these places and, and really understanding that there is a process to get from one to the other. Yeah. Um, it just gives you a whole greater level of appreciation for what that creation is. Yeah, I totally agree. Awesome. Well, Dylan, let's kick this back to childhood because I'm interested to sort of put some of the pieces together to this initial engineering direction with a pivot to design. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to ask you about your childhood. Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you and led you to this creative career path? Yeah, I'd definitely say so. Um, I guess growing up in the country, you're kind of forced to be creative in a way. Like not living in the big city, you didn't have a whole bunch of like places and things to like go to and do. Mm-hmm. So kind of living that country life, you're kind of just forced to come up with things to do. Like especially during the summer, I, mean, I just remember like spent a lot of time with my cousins, and we would always we both grew up on the farm um, out in the country, so we were always building forts and barns. I remember building a fort and a chicken coop once, and like we'd always climb climb trees and build forts up in trees and stuff. So that was always something we'd do. Um, and just like typical boys outside playing with fireworks and fire and just doing crazy stuff. It it was creative in a different sense, but yeah, I think that's kind of more maybe towards the engineering side of where that came through. Well, it's interesting. You can kind of connect the dots to both of them because I mean, in the engineering side and sort of thinking, you're kind of thinking through the stuff that you're building out in the wild yeah. you know, to entertain yourself. But mm-hmm. on the, on the creative side, you need to come up with things to fill that time. You're not surrounded by things to do all the time. You're out yep. in the country, you're more rural. You gotta you gotta come up with things to do. Yep, totally. And then like even like when we were inside, I mean we did the you know, I feel like most kids growing up played with Legos. Um always found myself like taking apart uh like remote control vehicles and like taking the little motors out of them and like yeah. building these little like logo or Lego cars. And uh, like putting the motors on it, so that was always cool. Um, 
That's yeah. cool, man. Yep. I remember when I was younger, I had a remote control. It was called the Hercules. Nice. Remember that one at all? <laughs> uh, I've heard of it. I don't know if I remember exactly what it, it looked this, like. It was this all-wheel drive truck, and it mm-hmm. had like off-road mode and fast mode. So the tires okay. weren't flat. The tires had this like curvature to them. But you could actually like, if this is the vehicle, this is flat mode. Your tires are flat, and it's ripping along, meant for speed. Yeah. But then like you almost scissor the wheels closer together, and it lifts up the the, the RC car. And then oh, okay. it's like off-road mode and you can like rip around and like jump over stuff i, I remember that cool. fondly as a kid the hercules those used to be the things remote control vehicles were awesome yeah it was so cool like what happened right it kind of became like a hobbyist thing there isn't that many yeah. like really cool marketed remote controls for kids anymore yeah i'm not even sure if i've ever seen anything like ads or anything really for that which is kind of weird mm-hmm. that's too bad i love that <laughs> If somebody wanted to get me a remote control for Christmas, I'd be fine with that. As a grown <laughs> adult, no. I'd be I would so not happy. Say no either. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. So during this journey, Dylan, is there something that stands out to you as the most influential design of your life so far? Either something you saw and just stuck with mm-hmm. you, something you learned about that really stuck with you. What is that? I guess not in particular, like an actual like design or piece of art. Um, I'd say kind of just in my early years at the University of Iowa, when I was taking my design classes, one of my professors, one of the projects was researching um, current and past designers. Um, and so that kind of like opened my eyes to a lot of different things, okay. um, a lot of different styles and who different designers are and what they're like really good at. Um, a lot of, I guess a few that came to mind were like Paul Rand is like a pretty obvious one. Um, and then Wim Crowell. Crowell, I think his name is. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. Um, but he was a pretty famous Dutch designer back in like the late 90s. And my professor is actually somehow friends with him and I like had like projects that he worked on with him. So that was really cool, like hearing those stories because uh, he was like a pretty well known designer in this time. So, so like, like some design history, like a design history project that really you know, showed yeah. you those who came before. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's cool and can be heavily influential. For sure, yep. I still find myself today referencing some of their work, so that's kind of nice. cool. That's awesome. So what about now, Dylan? Who are some designers and maybe even brands that you look up to now or closely follow now? And what about them do you like? So many. Um I say Aaron Draplin obviously is just like my main, my main one. Um, he's really kind of what got me started in the design field. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love his use of colors, his logos, just his thick lines, like super bold, powerful. He kind of has this like almost industrial feel, which I feel like my style kind of gra- gravitates to. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely a big inspiration for me. Um, then also uh, definitely uh, Alan Peters kind of similar to Draplin style, um, really good with the logos and badges, use of colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely those two are probably my biggest inspirations. Definitely two solid names. I've only had one on the show. So Alan, it's time to <laughs> get on the quickie podcast, awesome. my friend. <laughs> get him um, on here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Dylan, before I dive into some of the questions about the tough stuff, um, I first want to bring up your Instagram live on the screen here, and I'm going to select two or three posts out of that. 
um, that stand out to me for whatever reason. And yeah. I want to hear the story behind it. I want to hear the project behind it or, or whatever's behind it. So All let's right. pull, bring that up here. There we go. All right. Lots to pick from here. Let's do a quick scroll here. All right. Let's start with this one. Tell me, yeah. tell me what went into the thought process behind this. So that one is, uh, I decided to rebrand the field paper company. Um, so just a little background field paper company is like a paper or a paper distributor here in Iowa and Nebraska. So they sell a cool. bunch of paper and they also offer like printing services. Um, and it's basically just, I, I've seen their logo many times, like on trailers and semis driving by uh, here in the state of Iowa. And it just kind of, it wasn't something I loved, like what they currently have. It's kind of outdated. So I really just kind of wanted to bring a fresh new look to their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of just brightening it up a little bit, um, st- staying with the greens and whatnot. But, uh, but this particular post is um, a poster concept I designed with a logo their logo that I rebranded and just applying that in a unique, um, interesting way that creates like a tree pattern with these like very negative, um, shapes in the middle. So Mm -hmm. there's something that would help, uh, extend their brand out. Definitely. Did you tag them in this at all? I didn't, they didn't, they don't have an Instagram. So I was pretty bummed. So I didn't really know like what to do for that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, just email it. Just find just a contact it, yeah. and bloody and just bloody email them. That'd be the best way since they didn't have an Instagram. I was kind of bummed when they did it. Exactly. Who doesn't have an Instagram these days? I know it's crazy, <laughs> especially in that like design creative field. You yeah. Gotta be in there. Okay, sure. is this more in the same category? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm just gonna yeah. stick with this theme for right now. Cool. So let's get real close up here. So this is just some more stationary again redesigning. Um, the field paper company. Yep. Just kind of what the brand would look like um, if it was applied to stationary. Um, so that was really fun. Just kind of a different element. Yeah. Um, still keeping those punchy green colors. That's cool, man. Especially if you could find a paper that, um, you know, was one of those colors or, or like that color. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Do some cool things with that. All right. Let's get into now. This is pretty cool. Okay, so there's a big, uh, there's a whole package to this one. So I'm going to open up a few of these, but we'll start here with the logo. So this one is, this is actually one of like my really early on freelance projects that I did for a, for a friend from my hometown. Yeah. Um, I actually did this one for free, and it actually turned out to be one of my like favorite projects I ever got to work on. So awesome. it's kind of funny how that works out. Um, but yeah, I just did this for a hometown buddy. Um, he was starting a construction company uh, up here in Des Moines. Um, so he wanted a logo created. So I gave him a bunch of different logo options and different layouts and badges. Uh, and the company is called Keystone. So I really wanted to incorporate that Keystone element, but also yeah. give that construction feel with the colors and also incorporating that little house icon within the Keystone icon. Very cool. So then you took this brand and really, you know, the logo and design and you put it on some business cards here. We've got like a business card mock-up. Yep. Yep. And just kind of bringing some of those earthy textures that are kind of related to the construction industry on some of these materials, which is really fun. 
Man, I love the back of this business card. Just that that contrast of the texture with the bright pop of that orange. And then the yeah, reverse overlay tucked in the corner. Turned out to be one of my favorites for sure. That's awesome. So then the print guy in me is picturing that on like a super thick, like bright white uncoated substrate. So you're just getting those colors popping. Yep. He eventually did all this on his uh, trucks and trailers. So that was really cool to see. That's cool. And then that logo, just as a simple mark, um, you know, sort of up on screen now, I've got the, the helmet mock-up, the construction helmet, with just that mark on the front of it. And that looks super clean. I appreciate it. Works yeah, nice. pretty good in a small, small space. So that was really nice how that ended up. Definitely did. Okay, so let's pick one more out of this. And um, let's see here. Ooh, there's two. No, 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 we'll nail it down. Okay, let's go to this one here because this was a big deal. And this is um, one of the ways that I found you actually through the Logo Lounge and Logo Lounge Book 12. Um, so tell me about this post. Yeah, so actually it was, oh, I can't remember now, probably like almost a year ago. Um, Bill Gardner actually kind of just reached out and saw my Instagram page, liked some of my work and thought I should uh, join the Logo Lounge um, community. So I signed up. And so this was actually my first year submitting some logos mm-hmm. um, in the end, got two selected. So I was pretty excited about that. Um, one of them was my personal logo. Nice. And then the other one was just a fun letter that I was exploring, the letter A. So That's cool. Yeah, there's so many, you know, when you look at this, this letter A that's up on the screen now, you you start seeing like actual items in this and thinking of different ways that this could be used or applied. For sure. Yeah. Like you, it's a lot of movement going on. It kind of reminded me of a grocery cart wheel for some reason when I did it, but Oh yeah, I can see that now. <laughs> I get like things. plumbing possibly from this. I get automotive yep. possibly from this. Um, yeah, there's some, there's a lot of like different ways that you could look at that one. So congratulations for getting two, uh, two of the logos submitted to the local lounge book. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Very cool, man. Okay. I'll take you off the hot seat. Now we'll kick it back to just you and I, and, um, Dylan, I've got a couple of questions here that take you down part of your career where you've likely learned some lessons, made some mistakes, and you've got a long career ahead of you. So I'm sure it's not the end of them. But um, sure. so far, I want to hear from you on some of these. So first up, let's go. What's been the most challenging period of time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging? And how did you get through it? I would probably say just early on, um, once I did decide I was going to become a graphic designer, then actually starting to work, uh, kind of developing who I was as a designer, kind of finding myself and mm-hmm. kind of my own style. Like, how is I going to be different from all these other designers and have my own style that stands out? Um, so that was, I think, one of the biggest things. And also with that, um, I guess early on when I was like interviewing for jobs and uh, internships, I would get into the intern or interview and I would hear like, really love your work, but we're worried that you're just kind of focusing on this one style. We'd like to see you branch out to different styles. So that was kind of always this like heavy weight on me is like, I didn't know what mm-hmm. to do. I kind of thought that you should really develop your own style and have your own unique personal, um, you know, just character in your work. But then I heard from a couple places that you really need to kind of broaden your style. And it's not like to where I couldn't 
do different styles. This is just the style I was really comfortable with. So I really leaned on that. Um, so I guess really, I don't know what the best or correct answer would be for that is if you should have your one, your very dominant style or a different styles that you can also fall back onto. Um, so that's always something to think about and something that was definitely a big challenge in the early years. Yeah, for sure. That balance between like, should I be able to have my own unique style or be flexible and, and fit a number of different molds depending on the client's needs, Um, which I understand to a degree, but Mm -hmm. especially in the freelance side of things, when you are a freelancer, you are displaying and putting out the type of work that you want more of that you want to do. And by keeping your style consistent, people who want that style will start gravitating towards you. And that's the kind of stuff that you land. Yep. But yeah, yeah. freelance, you know, you're kind of doing your own style and people are hiring you for that style. And then sometimes, you know, like I feel like when you're in an agency work, they're hiring you for different styles, not particularly yours, obviously. But then nowadays I feel like a lot of agencies are, like Nike, like the biggest agency, agencies like uh, Apple and Nike, all those places like that are even like reaching out to freelancers because they like their specific style, even while they have their own in, in-house designers. So it's always inter- interesting to see those two things play out. Yeah, and it's really cool to see how different design styles mold to the brand aesthetics of something like Nike or something like um, Apple. And I heard yeah. just recently... Um, in the latest, I think the latest Apple press conference from the last week, I think it was, the Mac guy made a comeback. Did you hear about that? I did not. Was so this the Mac- for the iPhone 12 release thing? Nope, even newer. No. It was for the new, the new Mac, the new okay. Mac computers using their own in-house made chip. But a while back, years ago, I remember this. There was the PC guy and the Mac guy. The Mac guy was this like trendy young designer guy. And then the PC guy was this like older nerdy guy with glasses and you know, <laughs> losing his hair. But that yeah. guy made a comeback at this like latest press conference. I haven't watched it yet, but I saw it Dang. in an article. So I want to check I'm it out. To check that out. Yeah, I'm to check that out. I did not know that. Yeah, just it just reminded me that of you know when you have a big company like Apple or Nike, you know how mm-hmm. can you introduce these different elements but still be brand aligned? How do you introduce yeah. humor? How do you introduce sarcasm? How do you introduce exactly. these other emotions and styles but still stay true to the brand and what people have come to know? And it's always interesting to see how companies do that. For sure, I guess another one that kind of comes to mind is uh, PBR, Pabst Blue Ribbon, kind of how they you know, reach out to different artists to have their artwork on the can. It's kind of cool how they do that. Yeah. Yeah. To still say it's on brand. So that's really cool. Definitely. You got to wonder what, like what those creative briefs look like is like, there's, you know, you, you, like you said, you have to stay true to the brand, but mm-hmm. you also want to give complete, you know, you want to give creative freedom to the artist, to the designer yep. you're working with. Exactly. So that'd be cool. Um, Okay, I want to get a little bit more specific with this next one, Dylan. Tell me about a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well, did not bring the desired result. Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? So many to pick from. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so early in my career. <laughs> um, I guess there's one that kind of sticks in my head um, from about a year year or so ago. Um, 
had this guy reach out. He wanted a logo done for um, his new um, company he was starting. Um, I kind of went through the same process. So I kind of, he reached out email. So I set up a phone call with him, kind of learned a little more about him, what he was looking for. Uh, got a proposal and contract set up, sent that out to him. And once that was all set away, I got a questionnaire that I usually send out to logo clients just to get a better feel of what it is that they're looking for after the phone call. Yeah. Um, so that kind of just went kind of smooth sailing as it usually does, which is good. Had no weird feelings about it. Um, and essentially I just had creative freedom for the project. So that was mm-hmm. nice, but yet that can also be very dangerous. I've learned. Um, so I presented, I think it was like, I want to say six rounds um, of different logos, probably a total of like 40 different options in the end. 40? Um, yeah, like it was crazy. Um, I remember Whoa. at one point midway, um, he wasn't jiving with what I was doing. So I got to set up a phone call and we were sitting there talking about what was working, what wasn't working. And kind of at the end of the phone call, he was like, we will know when we see it. And that was like, oh man, oh. that's a huge red flag. <laughs> and I really didn't know how to go about it because I've never um experience someone say that to me um but i knew in the back of my head when he said that i was like this is not good because i'm gonna be sitting here spending so much time (laughs) on this and you're just never gonna like what i do um so that was a big struggle um and definitely something i didn't really know oh a different way around it um i guess i probably could have asked more in-depth questions about what he was looking for but then he didn't really offer me a whole lot so it's kind of like pulling teeth which was a struggle um yeah i guess that teaches that like right up front you know if you're getting that kind of vague feedback from somebody you almost need to to hard stop at that point to be like look you gotta give me something otherwise exactly we're gonna go go 100 rounds in this and never get to where we want to be yep so i think when i initially heard like you have like your creative freedom you can do whatever you want i was like super excited like this is gonna be awesome i can do whatever this will be super easy and really just kind of came back and backfired on me um but yeah, so you can do whatever you want for 40 rounds and then it's not going to be quite what we want. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but it just kind of, it was like partially my fault, but not necessarily all my fault, but it just wasn't a good feeling at the end. Um, yeah. And then I remember looking back, um, it was just recently, I, I was checking them out on their social media channels, see if they're implementing my logo that I did. And they actually didn't in, even end up using the one that they chose in the end. So that was kind of just like a, it just didn't make me feel good. I feel like I came up short on the project, um, yeah. but man, that's a tough spot. For sure. So how, how do you, how do you recover from that Dylan? Um, I think just going back and kind of refining my process, um, whether that's in the phone call I had with him, uh, what the proposal included and the questionnaire, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of just being better at, um, finding those red flags early on in the first stages. So you're not sitting there working, doing all this work. And when really it's not really going anywhere, you're just kind of making circles. Yeah. So when you say red flag, do you mean like if somebody, the next time somebody says you have complete creative freedom, is that a red flag? I don't think it should be, but I feel like now it's going to be a red flag to me because of my experience, my first experience with it. So it's yeah. definitely something I'm going to have to get over. Cause it's definitely not, I don't, I wouldn't consider creative freedom a red flag. Um, yeah, generally not. Right? Yeah. You wouldn't think so. So then what, 
what in this situation, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd probably say just maybe also I, I did give him a lot of options. So I think maybe limiting the options I did present might have been something that really could have helped them um, mm-hmm. kind of narrow down what they wanted and what they were looking for. So I think kind of being more precise in that and how I presented those logo options to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Is you know, the more it's almost like and I don't think this is true for all customers, but the more options you show them, you yep. know, the more they want to um, you know, the more pieces from each of them that they want to pull and you end up having to try and Frankenstein something. Yeah. And that's never fun. (laughs) (laughs) That never turns out good. (laughs) Nice. All right, Dylan. um, What are you struggling with in your design career right now? I'd say there's quite a few things for this one. Um, I guess this, the main thing is time and finding the time to learn new things, which Mm -hmm. is always a struggle. There's definitely things I wish I was um, better at. So like animation or like web design, um, or like 3D ren- rendering. I think all those things would be really cool to have in my back pocket. Just finding the time to really focus on that and get better at it is what I'm struggling with currently. Um, mm. So that's a big thing at this point. Um, I'd yeah. also say just kind of staying original with my own work as well and being unique struggling with being unique and, and standing out amongst the crowd, right? Yep. So I think kind of like my style is pretty minimal. So I kind of always find the struggle of how can you be minimal, but still not do something someone else has already done because it's so minimal. So kind of finding that balance between there and how that's done is always something I have in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Let's turn this bus around. Um, Dylan, I want you now to tell us about a project that you were a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. I would say probably one of my earlier on freelance projects um, about two years ago. Uh, this guy reached out and he, he was starting up a cannabis company um, in Greenville, Indiana, I believe it was. Um, so he kind of just wanted a whole brand created logos for his um, online shop. So that was really cool. And that was kind of really what got me going in my freelance side of things. Um, that's kind of like when I first implemented, implemented like contracts, a proposal, questionnaires, like stuff like that is something I've never really done. But yeah. I felt like with this one, he, he was pretty serious about what he wanted, had a good sized budget. So I knew this was when I really needed to pick my game up. Yep. Um, and at the end it, turned out to be a really great project. Um, it wasn't my typical style, but it was something that he really loved in the end. I loved in the end. So just overall, it was a fun experience that ended really well. Was that a fairly recent one? Um, yeah, it was about a year and a half, two years ago, probably. Okay. And what was it that you put together with this client? Um, so it's, uh, who's, who's canvas company. So I did a bunch of, different logo options and badge options for his on online uh, retail store. Yeah. That's and then cool hopefully too. some days like going to evolve into the packaging world. So hopefully that's something that comes up. Nice. Yeah. That'd be cool. Getting into that, um, you know, packaging and consumer goods space. Yep. That's cool, man. That's a nice one. 
Well, Dylan, you've reached the point of the show for the Ask It Forward question. This is where I have a question for you from my last guest, and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So my last guest was Laura Perpick, and she is out of Courtney uh, on Vancouver Island, British Columbia here. And she wanted to ask, you know, when it comes to sustainability, as a designer, you know, at the point when somebody's coming to you with a project and, you know, they're, they're looking for a brand, they're looking for a logo, what responsibility do you have as a designer or do you have responsibility to guide that in a sustainable direction or to, to persuade more toward sustainability? Um, I think you definitely should and definitely have that back of your mind. Um, they're coming to you for your professional services. And I think whatever you can do to be as professional as possible is the best. Um, so I guess, is it like, I guess I don't know if I'm totally understanding the question a hundred percent, but as in, yeah, it could be anything, you know, is it the role of the designer to, to implement sustainable practices while they're working with a client in the projects that they're creating, you know, from, you know, the environmental aspect to, um, you know, I would imagine you could even lay, call that, um, you know, maybe even social justice, like to, to, to guide that brand in a direction that is sustainable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of, is that, is that your, is that your job or is that, or do you just roll with what they come to you with? I think you definitely, it is definitely part of your role. Um, you should definitely help them the most you can. So like when it comes to like a different cause, like, like what you're saying or like eco-friendly things, I think anything you can do to help those things is important. Um, and even if this client comes to you and you don't kind of jive with their view on that and maybe that's something that you don't take on um i mm-hmm. think as being a designer you should design with purpose so definitely uh should definitely keep those things in your mind and uh trying to think how i want to say that um do those practices as best as you can yeah i like how you said like design with purpose i like that yep. so dylan what is the question you would like me to ask the next guest for you so it's nothing crazy, but I've been trying to grow my um, book collection. So I'm curious to hear and get some uh, other book ideas. So my question is, what are your top three to five design books that you like for uh, inspiration or just di- design resources in general? Awesome. I like that question. It's classic, but it's always interesting to hear. Yeah. I feel like I've, got like my main ones that right everyone has. So I feel like getting some different ones that maybe people don't know about that are really good would be mm-hmm. cool to learn about. I like it. Um, I'll throw one out there, especially for freelance and when you're involved in business at all um, or any sort of sales or negotiation, I think it's a good skill to have. Um, it's a book that's about business and negotiation and it's called Never Split the Difference. Never Split the Difference. I'll have to check that out. I've never heard of that yeah. one. Yeah, so check that one out. It's really good. It's written by a cool. former CIA um, negotiator. Like his job was to go to those negotiations and hostage situations and crazy things. So he goes through sort of the top steps and how to approach hostile negotiations, how to um, get your point across. And yeah, just a lot of really cool things. It's a really good book. 
feel like it's got to be good if it's written by a CIA agent. So yeah, man, I'm, you know, all, I'm all in. You know, there's something there. <laughs> yeah. Dylan, thank you so much for being my guest today on the podcast, man. This has been great chatting. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. That is the end of today's episode. If you are digging what you're hearing here on the Quickie Podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. They make me smile and they make the sun shine. The sun shines brighter when you do that. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week.